We are in a teaching series we're calling Road Signs about the Gospel of Matthew, and we're going to read a little bit longer chunk of scripture this morning, so I asked some friends to uh, come up and, and help out with that. Just then, a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good things must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones? You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false witness. Honor your father and mother. And love your neighbor as yourself. All these I have kept. What do I still lack? If you want to be perfect, go, sell your possessions, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Truly I tell you, it is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, who then can be saved? With man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. We've left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? Truly, I tell you, if the renewal of all things when the Son of Man sits in the glorious throne, you who have followed me will sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father and mother or wife or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. But many of you who are first will be last, and many who are last will be first. Let's, uh, let's give them a round of applause. Hey, thanks. So we have this account captured three different times in the book of Matthew, in the book of Mark, and in the book of Luke. And if we look at all of those accounts, we learn that this man was young, he was rich. He was a ruler. Commentators also tell us um, that he was probably a Pharisee. A Pharisee um, was a religious leader, someone who was known for their meticulous adherence to, to God's law, for being externally morally upright. But unfortunately, they were also kind of known for um, their hardness of heart. It was kind of a, a hypocritical deal where they looked all shiny and new on the outside, and inside there was a bunch of bad stuff, bad stuff going on. So this guy has it all going on. He's young, he's rich, he's got power, he's got position, and he's a religious rock star. And yet he comes to Jesus, and he still says, what do I lack? What am I missing? He doesn't say, I think I got it all. Am I missing something? Like, he knew. There was a... a something inside of him that wasn't right. And I think we could paraphrase um, Jesus's response like this. It is not what you lack that is causing you to feel lost and incomplete. It is 
what you have that causes your discontent. It is what you have that causes your discontent. And I'm gonna give you guys a little insight into the whack job that I am. Um, all week, I just could not help but think of Yoda saying that same thing. Um, right? I, don't, I don't know. Um, so maybe if you won't remember the longer one, you'll remember that, right? So the, all, all of our natural inclinations, the, the things that, would, um, that we would want to naturally try, try harder, do more, go faster, look, look cleaner, look better on the, on the outside, check all the right boxes. This guy did all that stuff. And, and still, it, it, didn't, it didn't work. And rich young rulers today are no different than they were 2,000 years ago. Take a look at this video. You might have to hit play. Can you go out to restaurants? If I have the energy to deal with, you know, putting a happy face on, sometimes I don't feel like that. Now, you seem a bit the reluctant star. Well, the problem is it's you can't have one without the other. You can't have the football fame and not the other stuff. So in a lot of ways, I've created this myself. <laughs> it's what you always wanted. You're right. You're right. It has. And I didn't think it came with all the other baggage, though. The most eligible bachelor in America. Well, it's very flattering. Uh, but at the same time, I don't think I sleep any better at night being that. No way. Do you mean like alone or not alone? <laughs> what did you mean by that? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> but with all that money, fame, and career accomplishments, we were surprised to hear this from him. Why do I have three Super Bowl rings and, and still think there's something greater out there for me? I mean, maybe a lot of people would say, hey, man, this is what it is. I reached my goal, my dream, my life is me. I thank God. It's got to be more than this. What's the answer? I wish I knew. I wish I knew. I love playing football, and I love being the quarterback for this team. And, but at the same time, I think there's a lot of other parts about me that I'm trying to find. So that was, it's a little bit of an older clip. Brady now has six Super Bowls and a supermodel wife and a couple of like near perfect kids. I think the reason he's still playing at like age 83 or however old he is now, <laughs> he's still looking, right? He still wants to know what that more is. And so we have this encounter between Jesus and a rich young ruler back in back in the day. And we're in Matthew chapter 19, so this comes immediately on the heels of this interaction between Jesus and a crowd, and he tells them the way for you to find security and fulfillment is in childlike humility. And immediately after that, the exact opposite of the picture of childlike humility, this rich young ruler approaches him and wants to know why he still feels discontent. And that's the conversation we're going to dig into this morning. We're going to pull out a couple verses from that 15 or 16 verses that we looked at and kind of concentrate on those. He's asking about the commands and he says, all these I have kept, the young man said, what do I still lack? Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor. Okay, perfect here means complete, whole, 
mature. Jesus recognizes the seeds of faith in this young man. His, his adherence to God's law is admirable. The detail with which he keeps God's law is exemplary. However, he does it from a place of, um, of obligation and a place of earning instead of out of obedience driven by love for God. He does it from within the confines of a religious framework. And a religious framework says if you do enough of the right things at the right time, you will get to God. And Jesus is trying to get his attention and, and say that's, you're going about it wrong. Like you got, you, you're off to a good start, but your motivation, your motivation is wrong. He's trying to get him trying to get him turned around. He says, um, if you want to be perfect, go and sell your possessions. So, go and sell your possessions. There are, um, I'll say this first, this is not a directive to every believer and every occasion throughout history. If we look at the gospel stories, we see Jesus commending people for a variety of financial management techniques. Right? Rich young ruler, he says, go sell everything and give it to the poor. To Zacchaeus, right? Zacchaeus was a tax collector and a thief. And um, Zacchaeus meets Jesus, and he comes to know Jesus, and he says, Jesus, I'm going to give away half my stuff. And I'm going to pay back anybody who I ripped off four times. Jesus commends him for it. And then Jesus tells the parable of the talents. There's a, a master who gives three servants some money. He gives one $10. He gives one $5. He gives another a dollar. And he goes away. And he comes back and he's like, what'd you do with my money? And the guy who gave 10 said, here, I made 10 more. Have your original 10 and 10 more. Well done. Thank you. The guy who gave five went and made another five. Well done. Thank you. The guy who made one went and buried it because he was afraid of what would happen if he lost it all. And that guy was kind of in trouble. Invest what God has given you wisely. Take the gifts that God has given you and invest them. Right? So this is not a specific directive to everybody. But there are principles which I think we need to tease out of this that apply to everyone who would call themselves a follower of Jesus. And it's this. We need to get rid of our personal idols. This idea of idols and idolatry is something that have plagued the people of God since the beginning. Um, I put up a couple of different definitions of idolatry for you. An idol is anything that causes us to question God's sovereignty, control, and power, and attempts to offer an alternate explanation to the issues of life. Idolatry is giving to anything the honor or devotion which belongs to God alone, giving to any human desire a precedence over God's will. We have these personal idols, just like the people in the Old Testament did. They're just a little bit different. In the Old Testament, the Israelites struggled particularly. We read kind of, there's lots of these false gods and idols, but these two up here, um, on my left is an idol of Baal, and on my right is a little statue of Asherah. Actually, I don't know how big that is. I don't know why I say little. Um, so those are two of the, the false gods that the people of Israel were told 
Those aren't the real thing. I'm the real thing. Over here. Look at me. But they continually would turn to them. And not only would they turn their backs on God, but it would lead them to do horrible things. The, the people who worshipped these false gods um, engaged in uh, temple prostitution, engaged in self-mutilation, even engaged in child sacrifice. So these idols, they would um, weigh over promise and, and weigh under deliver. And we have those false idols today. Think about it, right? So in our search for comfort and security, we will bow to the idol of money. In our search for approval and acceptance, we will bow to the God of relationships. In our search for applause, we will bow to the God of achievement. In our search for power, we will bow to the God of political agendas. In our search for self-control, we will bow to the God of religion. Those guys up there, Baal and Asherah, idols required a sacrifice. In the Old Testament, they were things like wine and grain and incense and animals and even children. The idols that I just referenced, they too Every idol, every idol, this is not my original thought. I wish I could give you the source because it's such a great thought. Every idol requires a sacrifice. The God of money may ask for your honesty and your integrity. The God of relationships might ask for your dignity and self-respect. The God of achievement is definitely going to ask for your time. Trust me, I know. God of politics today, the God of politics, I think if you follow him over the course of time, works in different ways. But today, the sacrifice that the God of politics requires is hate. If somebody disagrees with you, if somebody sits on the other side of the political aisle, you're required to hate them. And the God of religion may be the most demanding of all, not the God of the Bible, the God, little g, of religion requires that you earn your way to him, that you earn your way into eternity, just like the rich young man was trying to do. Where are we going next? Virginia, can you hit me next for me? All right. Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. All right. So if I were you, I would be sitting there thinking, all right, this is where he asks for my money. Um, so let's be really clear about one thing. I'm not asking for anything. It's God, right? And God doesn't need your money. God wants your worship. He wants your devotion. He wants your 100% focus. He wants to be first. He wants to be best. He wants to be top. What Jesus instructs the rich young man to do is to take what was his idol, his money and his possessions, and to use it for God's purposes. The poor are near to Jesus. He elevates, throughout the stories of the gospel, he elevates the position of the poor over and over and over again and instructs his followers that if you want to be like me, give to the poor. Take the idol and use it for God's purposes. 
we can do the same thing with the idols of today. Some of you are great at making money. You make lots of money. Take that money and give it away, knowing that you can trust Jesus to provide for you. Some of you are, are master networkers, and you can talk the paint off a wall. You probably talk to more people in a week than I would talk to in a day. You have these relationship-building skills that you can take and use for God's glory and for the benefit of the other person. Networking is about me and about what I can get for me, right? You take that networking relationship and you turn it on its head and think about what you can do to glorify God and give to the other person, knowing that everything that you need is provided to you by Jesus. We can take the things that used to be idols and transform them and use them for God's purposes. So we have to, um, we go and we deal with the idols, we deal with our personal idols, and then we take them and we try and turn them on their heads and use them for God's purposes. It says, then come follow me. Right, so this is kind of like a two-part a two part road sign. There's the go, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor, and then there's the come follow me. And what I think this is saying to us this morning is that the come follow me is, uh, it's about leaving behind a way of life. It's about leaving behind a prior mindset. That idol, whatever it is, has, um, that, that idol has uh, like its hooks in us, right? And over the, over the course of time, we have to, with Jesus' help, get rid of those hooks that are in us, and we change our mindset. Then, then Come Follow Me also um, instructs us that this is an ongoing relationship. Jesus wants us to follow him because it's what's best for him, it brings him the most glory, and what's best for us. Come follow me, Jesus says, because I know where I'm going. Jesus also knows that we think we know where we're going and that we will get distracted by any kind of shiny thing that we see and we'll follow it and we'll walk right off a cliff following it. Right? Again, this has happened throughout time. Go all the way back to the Garden of Eden, a slithery snake and a shiny piece of fruit. Right? And and the serpent says to Adam and Eve, well, God didn't really say you couldn't eat from that, that one tree. No. He didn't, he didn't mean you were going to die, die, if you, like, ate from it. They ate from it. They got distracted. They took their eyes off of, Jesus, off of God. And they followed the shiny new thing. And they brought death to humanity. The people of the Old Testament had different shiny things that distracted them. I couldn't find a, a good enough map to, to put this up there and describe to you, but the people of God, the Israelites, were literally surrounded on all sides by people who worshipped false gods. Asherah, Baal, Moloch, Dagon, they all had these different names, and they were surrounded by them. So the people of Israel would look around, and they'd see the agricultural success of the Canaanites, and they'd be like, what are the Canaanites got going on? Oh, 
Oh, Baal is like the god of the rain and drought cycle. So we should be like worshiping Baal, and then we'll be agriculturally successful. They looked around, and they're like, oh, well, these guys over here, they're praying to Asherah for fertility. And this god Asherah is like into temple prostitution. There's some funky stuff going on in that worship service. We'll think we're going to follow that for a little while. And the people of God did this thing throughout the Old Testament. They would follow the God of the Bible, and then they'd get distracted, and they'd follow these false gods. And, and God would send them a messenger, a prophet, and they'd come back, and they'd go back and follow a false god, and they'd come back. And they got to this point where they were following God, but at the same, literally at the same time, God's altar, they had these little altars to these other gods on either side of it. And these other little gods are insidious. Like I said, they get their hooks in us and they pull us away, right? There's this spot, this perfect spot that was made just for Jesus in our hearts. And we have him kind of there. And then we give him some room or we give those other little dudes some room. And they pull. Now, Jesus isn't going anywhere. He doesn't want to go anywhere. But it's us that our attention is getting distracted. So here's, here's a word for you, right? Syncretism. Syncretism. That means you're worshiping Jesus. You have Jesus, trying to keep Jesus at the center of your life. But you're looking at Jesus and you'd be like, you know what? I got a lot of bills to pay, so I'm going to cut a couple corners I'm not going to give as much this month as I usually give. And I'm going to, you know, bow down just a little bit. Just a little bit to the God of money. Or whatever, whatever your, your idol might, might happen to be. And I'm going to say this as lovingly and as gracefully and as carefully as I can. But I would suggest that for 98.8% of us in this room... This is what we do. We, have, we want Jesus to be in the center of our heart. We want to follow him. But we don't trust him with everything. Jesus is perfect and doesn't need any help. But we have these other little gods and idols that we bow down to. And that take our time and our dignity and our self-respect. And they require things of us that Jesus would... would frankly, never ask of us because it wouldn't bring him glory and it's not for our good. So um, maybe you won't hear anything else that I say going forward and you're stuck on that. Good. Good. Whatever you got to do to get rid of what that is and then take it and use it for God's purposes, do it. So they're having this conversation. Jesus looks at him after this guy walks away sad because he's not going to get to keep his stuff. And he says, it'd be easier to get a camel through the eye of a needle. And they said, well, what, what, what are we going to do? And he said, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. So as we, as we think about this, right, we all come to Jesus with our individual messes. Right? And Jesus meets us in the middle of that mess, and he moves us along. These individual messes on these individual timelines, and then he brings us together 
with these other individuals, with these individual messes, moving them along on these individual timelines into this beautiful mess that we call the church. And we can get in trouble. It can feel really impossible if we look around and, and we see other people who are, whose timeline looks different than ours. The issues that God is working on with them and in them looks different than ours. We can look at it and be like, well, I have to do this. How come they're not doing that? Or they're doing that. Maybe I should, like, that's what I should be working on. The Holy Spirit speaks to each one of us individually because each one of us comes here with our own stories, our own baggage, our own gifts, our own successes, our own failures. And he wants to work in those things in each of us. It can make it feel all impossible. Like, I got to leave behind this way of life, especially if we're older, right? This idol, I like this idol, I've been walking with this idol for a long time. Now I got to leave behind that, that way of life, that mindset? And then you want me to come together with other people who are trying to leave behind in this beautiful mess? With man, this is impossible. With God, it is possible. You see, we, as, as Christians, the Bible tells us that people will know that we're Christians by the way we love one another. It also says that we will bear fruit. That will be a symbol of someone who is a follower of Jesus. The love is expected of all of us. We are expected to love God and to love other people, sacrificially and before all else, before ourselves. And we are expected to bear fruit as the Holy Spirit speaks to us and identifies those things that need to go, those things that can stay, those things that we're going to bless and make even better. Right? So when, I want, when, I, when you think of this phrase about coming together in our individual messes into, this, into the church, love makes us consistently Christian. The fruit we bear makes us uniquely Christian. Right? We will take steps and we will grow in faith. And over the course of time, we will all, with, through God's grace, become more and more to look like Jesus. But it's going to happen in different ways and at different times. Um, last one. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife, children, fields for my sake, will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. So Peter chimes in and is like, Jesus, we've left, we've left this stuff and like, what, what about us? What, what is there? And Jesus reassures him that when we take whatever is in that spot, meant for him in our hearts, and we empty it, and we invite Jesus into it, right? The, actually, the only way that that spot gets emptied is if we invite Jesus into it, because we can get rid of every idol that comes our way, but if we don't invite Jesus into that spot, there's just another idol that's going to fill up, because we were made, we were created to worship, right? We were created to worship the God of heaven, and if we don't, I'll put my arm down. Is that what's called that ringing? If we don't, then we'll fill that with something else. We'll worship something else, some other idol. And when we do that, when we invite Jesus into that spot, he adds all the other things that we think we need, what, he, what we actually need, right? That's what he adds. Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you, Matthew 6, 33. Seek first the kingdom of God. 
and all these things will be added to you. So, here's my challenge to you this morning. I would encourage you, if you're brave enough, in this time, that you know, the band's going to come up here in a second, and they're going to um, play a song that we can offer as a response. But ask the question of Jesus, what is it, what is it that I lack? Or the, kind of the way we've turned that question around on its head. What do I have that's getting in the way of my relationship with Jesus? Ask that question, and Jesus will answer it. Invite him to take up that full space, that perfect spot that was meant just for him. I don't care what baggage you bring, right? I know some of your stories. I know some of your roads have been really, really hard. And that idol has its hooks deep. With, under our own strength, it is impossible. But when we invite Jesus in with God, it's possible. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we, um, we come before you and we confess that... Uh, you don't have our whole heart. God, some of, us, um, some of us are here this morning and we've been asking that question. Is this all there is? What, what is it that I lack? There's got to be more. Jesus, we ask that you would come in. We invite you into that place in our hearts that was created just for you. We ask that you would clean house, that you would take those idols and you would just kick them out. And then you would work in us, God, as individuals and as a community to be people who are eyes fixed on you, solely devoted to you. Lord Jesus, we confess that we've bowed to the God of money, that we've bowed to the God of relationships. Lord Jesus, we confess that we have bowed to the God of achievement. Lord Jesus, that the God of, of power has his hooks in us. The God of religion has led us astray. Lord Jesus, we confess those things and we ask that you would take their place in our hearts. And Holy Spirit, that you would fix our eyes on you and that you would move us forward as individuals and that you would move us forward as your church. In Jesus' name, amen.